Welcome to the show, Tanya Garachadagi. Oh, yeah. I did it. That's really good. You know, I and I think I've told you this before. I, I sometimes I rely on the person who's introducing me to screw up my last name so I can make a joke about it, but you did my job, so I won't. I won't make a joke. You could still, you could pretend that I got it wrong. That's okay. I'll make a joke. How do you say your last name? Welcome to the EBFC show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Construction Accelerator. The design and construction industries come up with and build great things but we also build and waste in how we do those things, in our interactions, in our contracts, in our logistics. So what does this do for our bottom line or our next project? The best firms maximize their value by removing that waste and only doing what's essential to the work, what makes them money. Construction Accelerator will train you to see the waste and give your teams the lean tools and experience to remove it immediately, all online. Construction Accelerator is made up of three to nine minute videos that can be watched again and again in the field, at the office, and at home, all broken down by topic. Need to learn pool planning? We have videos on the process, how to set up a room, and how to kick off a team. Need to set up a target value delivery project? We discuss all the aspects of TVD, especially cost. Or maybe you just need to brush up on 5S, well we have videos on that as well. You can download and print reference materials to use on-site to immediately translate watching into doing. Subscribe today at tricanow.com. Let's build an industry, not just a project. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Gurichidagi. Gurichidagi. I was yeah, close. I was not exactly. You said it. Not exactly as good as you. No, it's good. Well. Good, 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 good. good. <laughs> yeah, don't uh, don't let me get away with saying your name wrong. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't. I mean, my last name is Engineer. That gets messed up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think people see it and they're like, what? Can't be. That's and true. then they'll say like, Engineer. I'm like, really? I was like, well, I've not heard that one before. Actually, I hear that one like once a month. I remember the day that I met you. Um, I we met in downtown San Francisco. Yeah. And I was signing in and I saw your name and I was like, did he think he was supposed to put what he was what he did for a living? (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's just a coincidence that it is what I do for a living. There you go. And me too. I'm more like a tinkerer. Yeah, I like to tinker. I'm always, I always tell people I'm closer to an engineer than a project manager any day of the week. Really? I tell everybody the opposite for me. <laughs> That's how I said it because I was looking at your profile and I was thinking, here we got a project management person all the way. It's all good. We definitely need PMs. 100%. <laughs> Thank you. You're in demand. I was looking for a job recently because I'm making a transition. So I got a ton of like, oh, we need civil engineers. We need, you know, whatever. And I I actually took PE off of my LinkedIn um, name because I was like, no, I do not want to use that account for anything. But, you know, like making recommendations for other people to go get their PE. But so 
I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm right engineering. No, I was the same way. I went to school for engineering and then a friend of mine took me a construction project site and I fell in love and I said, no way <laughs> do I want to make these things that people are just going to replace every year or two years. Yeah. At least it's going to be hard to knock a building down every 25 to 50 years. I'll That's take true. that. That's true. A little harder. That's what I went for. A little bit harder. Still not impossible. I built a project that got knocked down while I feel like I was still closing the project out. So I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> it was, was it a, I mean, that's like a, it was meant to be. It was my worst nightmare. <laughs> Tanya, that's my worst nightmare to be building no, a job. No, let go with the flow, dude. You're there, go you're there the to plan. produce the product. That's it. <laughs> I like that you're like, just let it go. It's going to be okay. That's right. Go with the flow. It's a new need, right? Needs mm -hmm. change and you got to change. The buildings right. have to change too. That's right. So Tanya. Felipe. The way that this show typically goes, I don't know if you've watched many of the shows. Probably haven't because you're not commuting. Have you watched them? A few. Yeah. Oh, a few. Hello. I have. That's, well, I had to prepare awesome. for this too, you know. I didn't prepare at all, other than when you forced my hand to give you questions that I may or may not ask. Thank you. And I have a full page of notes on this side of my screen. <laughs> you can go like this, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, people love these types of conversations. Uh, I get messages from people all over the world. Yeah, it's overwhelming that people say, like, I was having this exact issue. I heard your show. It made a difference in my work today. Thank you for having your guests on. And as you heard the shows, I don't talk that much. You're mm -hmm. going to do all the talking, right? So you are the main star. And that's when, when I contacted you, I said, you know, you made an impression on me. We met at the DBIA talk in preparation for that. And then we got to share a stage together. And I thought, here's a person that has a, they have it together. Right? <laughs> you know, you do. Yeah. You, your impression, you're like so well prepared. I mean, just, proof positive you're over prepared today that just shows <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we'll see so like it, my first impression was accurate here's a person who's very well prepared and still is today that was what two years ago i think more pandemic time it feels like everything was a decade ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you're landing right you took that pe or that off your linkedin and now you've landed i've landed Hey, I'm going to Lincoln Properties Company. Um, All right. Anything from aviation or real estate. We could talk more about that. Very cool. <laughs> it's a construction show. People know what's what. Yeah, that's perfect. I'm really happy to be yeah. here. It's already been fun. Just the pre-talk pre has been fun. I won't tell you everything about me. That would be weird. But <laughs> professionally, you know, I've been an employee of San Francisco International Airport for 15 years, which is uh, quite a long time for me, for, particularly because that's the entire extent of my career. I identify as an employee of SFO, or I have identified as an employee of SFO for a really long time. So um, as we started to talk about a moment ago, I'm, I'm making a transition out of SFO, out of San Francisco, where I was you know, where I grew up and into LA. Now I'm, I'm living in LA yeah. as evidenced by the palm tree behind me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, I mean, professionally, I, I am a design and construction professional. I've made my way through the ranks at SFO, which has been just 
really an incredible experience and humbling as well as uplifting as well as challenging and all the other good stuff that comes with, uh, you know, a long career at an organization. I love to lead teams, you know, it's construction a lot. And I, but I particularly really love to lead teams. So that's why I'm in this. That's why you're here. That's right. That's why why I invited you because I knew. Good. So Tanya, when we met, and you're probably right. It was probably more than three years ago, for sure. Uh, my first impression of you was that you were well-organized and prepared. And what I wanted to to pull from you for the audience to hear, because we don't always get that voice of what do clients really look for in teams? And like, what is their expectation? And I thought it would be great if you share, you've had such a long career at SFO. Could you tell people that are listening you know, what kind of air traffic does SFO get? And this is before COVID. Let's just use before COVID. Yeah. So give people, just paint a picture. What kind of construction? How busy is the airport for those that don't know? Um, I'm not going to say a number because that in my mind, I think it's like 60 million, but so I just said a number. I? Um, there you go. It happened. Don't I worry. Think it's around 60 people are very million. kind. And, and the comments are very kind. I promise. Okay, yeah. People are very kind that listen well, to the show. I think SFO has to excuse me because my, you know, I've been in LA for almost a year now. I haven't been, and with everything going on, I haven't been as connected, but SFO does a ton of activity and we have been, you know, our capital program is like 7 billion plus, and we have been just doing everything that we can to improve the airport there um, ever since I've been there. And I moved into, I started as a civil engineer there and just really focusing on airfield horizontal stuff. And then I moved into project management, maybe seven years ago, eight years ago, something like that. And ever since I've been on that side of the house, it's been nuts. And I've been working on just really amazing, complex projects with very cool teams, very interesting people, super smart people, um, and not just SFO staff, certainly uh, all of the builders and um, designers and consultants that come and work at SFO are incredibly talented. And um, I consider myself really lucky to have been kind of like growing up and learning from them and with them on these projects. But yeah, SFO is an amazing place to work. Yeah, it's busy. I remember flying internationally out of SFO and even a couple times nationally from Southern California to Northern California before I discovered other smaller airports that I can get out of faster. (laughs) The number of people that are there any given day, it's a city in and of itself. Yeah. And it's not a big airport. It's tiny in comparison to many. I mean, it's much smaller than LAX and, you know, all of your other big players, Atlanta and DFW and all of that. I mean, we're we're very small compared to those airports. How many airports can say that, that you've got that beautiful ocean view coming in and out? It is beautiful. Many. You said you started off in uh, air the runways, right? Uh-huh. Could you just tell me, like, for a big, like, jumbo jet to land, how thick of a concrete section are we talking about? Is it like a human being thick? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's hilarious no it's you know, just, not. I always every time i land i'm like how thick is this concrete it's not four inches with some rebar in no. it. it's got to be like something substantial well it, uh you're quizzing me now but i would say you know three to four feet on the run yeah so it's like a small child it's like a a, yeah a little, little, 
yeah. little guy or a little gal or whatever. Um, you know, there's yeah. there's different types of sub bases and all that other stuff before you actually get to the asphalt on top. So it's not all it's not all good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some totally junk in there. <laughs> yeah. You're not supposed that's to quiz awesome. me on engineering stuff and no, no, I I, that was, that's going to be the hardest. That's the hardest question I'm going to ask. Now that I'm satisfying my selfish curiosity, okay, good. I wanted to ask somebody to death, and that we knew, and no, you you came through. Okay, I'll so take thank it. Thank you. No, and then what I what I did want to ask you was because you said you grew up in that area as you were a little kid growing up and eventually going to engineering school. Were you thinking that aviation was where you were going to land? No, not at all. I mean, I. And not aviation, not engineering, not really anything that I'm doing right now. I mean, I I kind of make this comparison all the time, but like I don't have like that one hobby that I love to do. I know a lot of people like mm. have one hobby and they're really, really passionate about it. I, I don't have that. Um, so I feel actually really lucky that I was kind of put on this path, this really clear path in my career, especially at the onset. And, you know, looking back, it was, I was good at math. My dad is an engineer. Check. Yeah, check. My, my yeah. dad is an engineer. And he said, oh, you should go to engineering school. And I was like, okay. Um, my mother worked for the city and county of San Francisco. So I got my foot in the door as an intern, as a college intern at SFO. And, you know, the rest is history. It was like, I... <laughs> Don't want to say this, but I don't think I was a very good engineer, particularly. I was fine. I wasn't like coming up with like the best designs or whatever. And luckily, you know, airfield pavement is really not that complex and it's kind of like defined by the FAA. It's going to be this thick and it's, you're going to use this radii or whatever. Um, but it was the, the people and the opportunity and the, you know, just the interactions that I got to be a part of that kept me kind of motivated in, in the work that I was doing at SFO and eventually like set my target on becoming a leader and leading teams and bigger teams and, you know, more highly functioning teams and all of that. You were already well on your way to being a team leader. Yeah. We shared the stage at BBIA and you were talking about your experiences and high collaboration at SFO. And you've got, uh, well, you had a cool mentor to work with at the time. Yeah. When you transitioned in the beginning, you went from, you know, doing calculations, sections, design, and then being in charge of teams. Did you feel like a light bulb went off or what? Was it gradual or was it like instantaneous? You knew it was instantaneous and it was really uh, rapid growth. So it wasn't like, okay, so let me, let me kind of take you through the trajectory, right? Like yeah, I started yeah. as an intern, I got hired immediately after college, I became a junior engineer. So I worked for a engineer and um, she was my mentor for like the first seven or eight years of my career. And she was She's amazing. I mean, incredible. And and every person that I worked for at SFO was like that after. I started working under her, basically drafting before I even designed. And then I started designing. And then she was like, okay, go 
put out the RFP for this design bid build, the contract for this design bid build project and everything we were doing at the time, the time was design bid build. Traditional. Yeah. yeah. And then I was managing, they were like, you know, 5 million, 10 million, whatever, those types of airfield projects. And it was like a one person show and there was no team really, but the, the contractor and then my small design team. And then I was a design manager and then, and then, and then to the point where the airfield projects I was managing were hundred million dollars and there was a team and I was a design manager and the construction manager and the project manager all in one. Right. Although that's not what we really called it at SFO at the time. And then I got the opportunity they were, they were starting up the terminal one program at SFO, which is just a $2 billion monster of a program that, had, you know, yeah huge projects, but also all of these little enabling projects, little, like hundreds of millions of dollar little projects. They did an internal recruitment and I was like, me, me, me. Um, And I got brought over to, to build a firehouse. There's three firehouses at, at SFO and another building, like a campus building, which was cool. I mean, I had literally never even worked on or been on a team to work on a vertical project. And then I was managing too. Within a year before I could even complete those projects, I got put on a terminal project. I was always getting kind of like picked up by the collar and then like thrown into something, into the flames of something that I had never done before. And Frankly, probably other organizations would have saved for more experienced staff, I guess, or more experienced ones, I think, at the time. Um, but SFO always just trusted me. And, you know, they the trust and the support that they gave me led me to kind of be a confident and competent leader. And the project outcomes were good. So, yeah, as soon as I got out of the numbers and um, AutoCAD, it it was like, this is for me, as soon as I could start working with people to, you know, be strategically trying to accomplish something bigger than this like very um, obvious specific uh, project, which to me, that's, that's how the airfield projects felt at the time, because, you know, I didn't work on very highly complex airfield projects, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I was able to do that and like start thinking more about strategy and less about the details of like the pavement section, like, yeah, yeah this is for me. And the conversations that I got to have with people and the 50,000 phone calls I felt like I was getting every day from every stakeholder from around the airport, I, I'm into all of that. I loved it. I remember you were sharing early on, like, how many people you had to interact with just on the on the airport side it was like you know bigger than a it was like a family gathering worth of people every day like 100 plus stakeholders yeah i mean we you know i mean you've probably seen jeff do his um road show about our project delivery methods we have a very detailed stakeholder engagement process at sf and Mm -hmm. you know it's specific we don't just do stakeholder engagement. I mean, you have to create a stakeholder matrix. You have specific meetings that you're going to set up. It's, you know, it's really thorough and well thought out. And, you know, that really allows you to see the type of um, interactions that you have on a day-to-day because on a, on a project like the one that I was just on, the billion dollar terminal 
renovation, there were literally hundreds of people from around the airport that I had to answer to on a day-to-day basis. And I like that. No, I tip my hat to you, Tanya, for being so well organized and navigating so many people. Well, you know, it helps. Who are you going to miss? It helps being somewhere for 15 years and knowing everybody, for sure. It probably feels like family. Like you said, you still consider yourself a part. It's hard to say goodbye to that kind of group of people that have kind of ushered me through so much of my career and my life, really. Yeah, almost two decades. That's quite a lot of time. Yeah. I want to hear about this big, giant job you were doing last. Brad White, who was on that panel with us uh, from Gensler, we... We're on that project together. The monster project, we called it the monster project because number one, it went, we went through like a year and a half of just programming. We couldn't even get ourselves into design because it was like, how do we really want to do this project? It became a billion dollars. I think it started like 700,000 or something, but it became a billion dollar project to renovate a portion of Terminal 3, which is many people know United Airlines does like 60% of our traffic at SFO. So airline and an important tenant and client for us, they have a lot of say in how uh, we build projects for sure. Um, So it was a cool, really interesting dynamic for me to be working with such a a heavy hitter of a stakeholder, I think, with United in addition to, so United is like hundreds of people at United in addition to all the people that, you know, we we work with at SFO on a day-to-day basis. So it was, it was a good one. And unfortunately, T3US did get put on hold for now because of COVID. Everybody's having to make decisions about how money gets at the right. moment. We got to go practice and visit you in the in your big room. And the big room for that job is an airport hangar. That that's actually the terminal one job. That's where we were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we actually we have a the Terminal 3 project had an office inside of Terminal 3 and it's a, you know, not nowhere near as big and fancy, but certainly, you know, same concept everybody's they're stuck in the room together. Presume eventually we could have used the the big room, the T1 room at some yeah. point, but it was still going on. So we had to find our own way. I, I remember there were two project teams sharing that space, right? Yeah. Why would an owner want everyone to be under one roof from your perspective? I mean, the, you, you cannot duplicate that type of collaboration in any other way. I mean, you, you simply can't, right? Like the, just the... The simplicity of people just being there, right? Like even if you weren't doing anything that day that was like particularly complex or uh, amazing, it's not a milestone day or week or month or whatever, you cannot Mm -hmm. duplicate the collaboration and really the relationship building that comes out of people just being in a room together, right? Like the, the happenstance stuff and the conversations and the getting coffee in the same place. And even even the hearing people getting coffee from across the hangar yeah. thing where it's like, oh, I see those two are talking. I needed to get both of them about this thing that happened in a meeting or I needed to get both of them about do they want to go to happy hour with me later? You know, it's just um, the relationship building and and the the level of collaboration is is great and you know there are a lot of challenges with working in that type of environment too and you hear it a lot with just like the open office space um, concept right there's a lot of challenges it's hard to stay focused sometimes it's um, you know sometimes you want to have a private conversation and you can't sometimes you just you know you want to eat your lunch at your desk and it's 
not something everybody wants to smell or whatever. Um, so there are challenges, but I think that that certainly the benefits outweigh those challenges, at least in, in this situation they have. Yeah, because as I mean, you're doing such large work and you're making an investment to bring everyone together versus being separate. Yeah. At, on the, the project you were on last, you said it was over a billion is what it grew to be. Inside of that Terminal 3 office space, how many people were sharing roughly in that same space being collaborative? We probably had at the peak 100 people. Wow. So the team is significantly is smaller than uh, Terminal 1. No, that's still but, big. A hundred people under one one roof sharing a space is still gigantic. Yeah, I mean, the, in addition to, so I was the airport's project manager. Um, there were two of us on the project. And then, you know, our CM team was like 20 people. And then the design build team and design build team came with all of their subcontractors. So the core subcontractors were all in the room with us. So, you know, we were all there. We even got like an airport duty manager to live up there with us. We got someone from the electric shop eventually to live up there with us so that we could do, you know, quick electrical shutdowns and things like that. It was great. It's not free. And a lot of owners, they have to make an investment. I've seen like even just to have a, you're doing a construction project on a greenfield or a brownfield and, you know, the general contractor and the trades want to bring their trailer complexes and set up. And to make this dedicated space where you're bringing people under the same roof, you could be spending, you know, up to a hundred thousand dollars to create that shared space where people come together. And some owners don't think it's as valuable. Yeah. And you, you mentioned uh, outcomes on your jobs. What kind of outcomes are you seeing on these high collaboration projects versus what you're hearing from the industry, people and other types of using other methods? Um, you know, it's hard to say, uh, you know, T3 West, we didn't get to finish T3 West, which is, you know, a bummer. And, you know, I hear a lot of great things about what's happening out in the industry these days, especially with with most owners and most industries moving into design builds. I, I think that equally or maybe more so. I don't know. Throw a number out there. We'll judge it. It's not a number. I'm saying more so okay. than the, co the co-location, uh, the progressive design build delivery method has really, really helped the collaboration on project teams. Right. And I, I don't know, I can't even remember how to, I, I don't know why we ever did design bid build. And I, I do know why And some projects are, that's right. Projects, some really straightforward projects, like the airfield projects that I was on when I was in my career, but it's not right for most complex projects. Yeah. I think design, the, the design build, progressive design build delivery is, is contributing a lot to the success and the collaboration on a lot of these bigger complex projects. Certainly the big rooms and the co-location and bringing on core subcontractors early is really, really important. I mean, we get so much value in the early stages. Like I, like I mentioned, you know, we were in programming for T3 West, Termo 3 West for over a year. Right. It was worth every minute because when we got the right people to the table and we really, you know, took the time to develop the cost model early and accurately, uh, define the scope accurately, define the schedule mm -hmm. accurately, we thought, but, you know, things happen in the world. Then when we jumped into design, we could get right to it. 
and it eliminated a lot of the questions and and it allowed us to focus on putting out a really exceptional product. Yeah, no, thank you for that. That uh, collaboration is that it's like a loaded word, but you said you're creating an environment where people can be there, they see each other and oh, there's an opportunity that we can talk, you know, versus sending, you know, your 55th email or your 1001 phone call of the month. That's right. Oh, emails are like the killer of collaboration. Yes. Killer. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of things that we can do to minimize yes. email too. I saw that you had uh, a Design Build Institute of America badge on your profile. Did you get uh, special training for that? How did you earn Yes, that? I did. Um, so DBIA does a ton of educational courses and uh because we do so much design build and progressive design build it at sfo i felt like it was worthwhile it would be worthwhile for me to to uh get certified uh as it's mm -hmm. becoming so prevalent in the industry i thought it would be you know a good investment for me personally as well as for sfo at the time um but dbia does have uh, a ton of education courses we act on this project for T3 West, we made it a point to make sure that people had every opportunity to grow in their careers. It was, T3 West was meant to be a five-year project, right? So we're okay. all going to be sitting in a room together for five years. And hopefully, you know, the person who started as an office engineer in year one was not going to be an office engineer in year five. Hopefully they were going to be a, you know, construction manager or a project manager or something. So we were always looking for ways on our team and huge team again, to find ways to continue the individual's development on our team. And one of the ways we thought was let's get everybody design build certified. So um, our design builder came and they bought a package and I yeah. came to the office and we all learned together. We did a, we did like two or four or six days of workshops, whatever it was, it was really long. <laughs> and we did these workshops together as a team and we did it in two sessions. So, you know, we had like 20 or 30 people in the first session and then 20 or 30 people in the next session. Some people weren't interested. Some people, you know, had, had done it already or whatever. It wasn't appropriate for them. Um, but we did it in two sessions. So you do that workshop, you submit an application, you take a test and you're DBIA certified. Bam. Just like that. Just like that. And you, you could use each other during the test to help pass? No, you know, you, you have to go to like one of those testing centers. I like the idea of you doing it with your team. That's really cool. That was the best part about it. Not only was it team building, cause we could, you know, walk into the room and be like, no offense to, to the education or whatever, but we could walk into the room in the morning and be like, another six hours of this or whatever. But it was team building and it, it also showed my team that we were invested in them individually. Cause frankly, at that point, it did nothing for the T3 West project. It didn't matter, right? Like we were already, design build we already have processes that we're following it it really did nothing for the the project you know in in the technical sense but it made the staff understand that we were 
invested in their personal growth and that what they were doing with us was important and what they wanted to do next in their careers is important. And, you know, we're paying attention to that. And would you say that like the people that they went through those sessions were obviously if they'd already had it before, they didn't do it again. They're going for the first time. I mean, that's a skill that they can take with them if they work outside of this. And as long as they're not going back to traditional, if they're so lucky. And it looks like in the market, we see way more design build and progressive design build continuing to increase. Yeah. More and more asking for it. Yeah. So they can certainly take it with them. Good skills. Yeah. Hey, you're taking those skills with you, right? That's right. So you mentioned this learning and taking these skills forward. And I think what it really hones in on something that I love myself is this idea of continuous learning. So learning for you, you're a lifelong student. I think I also saw that you got some special project manager training earlier in your career that you haven't even mentioned yet. (laughs) Would you like to, you know, to share a little bit about what did you learn there that was different from engineering school? I was just going to say broad strokes. I'm not going to quit. I talked to your professor, Tanya, and uh, hold on, I'm getting a call right now, Tanya. Your professor's on the phone. Oh, that's so funny. Um, I, I'm kind of a, a continuing education weirdo. Right now, I'm taking real estate courses at the local junior college. And no, it doesn't, cool. I don't think that it's necessarily going to, it's not going to be a one-for-one application to the work that I'm going to do, for sure. Well, two things. The the effect of COVID making me stay inside was like, I got to do something to keep my brain moving. Um, and then also, I just wanted to be able to walk into my next position and, and know some key real estate terms at a minimum, right? Um, so I'm doing that now. But yes, I also have a PMP, a Project Management oh, Certification. Me too. <laughs> I'm right there. Uh-huh. Um, I took a series of courses at San Francisco State, and uh, which was great. The airport has uh, SFO has a, a really good uh, reimbursement program, so you know I didn't. It it was pretty much taken care of as long as I did my schoolwork and you know the program. Mm-hmm. Yes, I sure did. Um, the classes were were good. I mean, they weren't like earth shattering. I don't think that I learned something every single day or in every single session that I was in, but um, I met a lot of people and, and the people in my classes were not all in design and construction. They were in all kinds of different things like filmmaking. And um, one person was like an event planner and, you know, whatever, all the, all the different types of projects that you can do in the world. And uh, so I went to a series of classes at San Francisco State. And then again, I took a test again at one of the testing facilities. Serious. Um, And I got my PMP and I I did it at the time because I when I did it was when I was still an engine, a junior engineer or, you know, whatever level of engineering I was at at that point, junior. And I had a little bit of foresight about the opportunities to go into the project management department uh, at SFO. And I think Ivar Satara, who's the, the airport director at the time, I think he sent out an email that was like, if anybody wants to do this, go do it. And I was like, mm, I'll do it. <laughs> um, so then when the opportunity came up, 
the internal recruitment at SFO came up, it was like, oh, look, I'm also doing this in the meantime. And they were like, okay, you got a, you got a little bit of a head on you. You're motivated. We'll give you a shot or whatever. Just got an edge. Yeah. <laughs> a sharp PMP edge. Uh, yeah. It's really cool. And I, and I think, you know, for a lot of people that don't know Tanya too well, she's extremely humble. And it, it's coming across, but I know you. I know people say really good things about you. I talked to Brad not even two months ago, awesome. and he still fondly talked about the times that you guys got to work together. Yeah. And he misses you. So there you go, Brad. Well, thank Shout you. Shout out from Brad White. He said, I miss you. <laughs> well, th yeah. thank you, Brad. Brad. And he, yeah. you know, he knows that I will say the same thing about him you know, at the onset of the project, I think we were all like, oh my God, we get to lead this monster of a project. This is amazing. And we spent a lot of time sitting around small tables together, learning from each other and being like, I don't know what to do right now. Like, what do we think we should do as a team to get past this really hard challenge? Because not one of the four of us had ever done it. And it was like, okay, you get, you go check with your network. I'm going to check with my network and let's get back together and decide what to do. So, you know, I, as much as I appreciate Brad saying very kind things for me, you know, it goes both ways. He was an amazing partner um, on that project and so many, so much amazing leadership on that project and, and the projects that I've been on. And the team was just incredible. So you're still humble, even the way you said it now, Tanya. It's still anyone listening, you know, tell, tell Tanya in the comments that she's actually, <laughs> humble. I'm not the only one that thinks it. Not the only one. But I really like you're, you're really passionate about learning for learning's sake because you never know you want to be ready. Uh, one of the people that, that, you know, that I was indirectly mentored by is uh, William Edwards Deming. And he used to always tell people that you should encourage anyone in your organization to learn because you never know where creativity is going to spark next. That's right. And it's just, it's just good to do. And it doesn't have to always be, you know, at a school formal. It could also be at a book. It could be a podcast. It could be a YouTube yeah. video, University of YouTube. A lot of people attend it every day. Yes. Yeah, you know, one one thing I think that people don't think of as learning is just the day-to-day -day connections that you have with people, which which is why when you said come be on a podcast, I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll do a podcast. You know, I learn from you. Hopefully you learn something from me. But it's and I and I think that people will I think people will back me up and and people see this in the way that I um go about my day or, or my, the way that I interact with people, but it don't rush through a conversation. Don't rush across the office. I mean, every time you have the opportunity to connect with another person is like, there's so much potential there, right? Like how much can you learn just from, Hey, how do you feel this morning or whatever? Well, you know, any conversation that you have, no matter how short or long it is, if you give it kind of the time and, and, you know, cherish the potential of what could come out of it, I think, right? You could, I, I could learn from you, you could learn from me, we could learn from each other, I could open up a whole new career opportunity or uh, a, a new kind of 
stem in my brain where it's like, oh, well, actually now I want to do real estate instead of aviation or all kinds of different potentials come out of those, those little connections. So like you were saying, you know, education doesn't have to be formal. You can educate yourself from every little conversation that you have throughout a day. My favorite is person to person. That's why I do the show because the people that come on and share with me and with everybody that listens enriches all of us. The more, I mean, I'm first. I get first yeah. the enrichment. Don't edit out anything good. That's it. No, I won't. I tell the editing team, like, I better, that gem better show uh-huh. up or else uh, I'll have to ask you nicely to please do a second. Of <laughs> That's that totally fine. I've noticed that I've yeah. said whatever a lot in this conversation. I'm not sure why I haven't really. That's not really my style. So I to edit out any of those. It hasn't even uh, hit my radar yet, so. Maybe we'll start uh, every time you say whatever, we'll do a little. Okay, good. And, you know, I think hopefully calling myself out will help me to stop doing it. Yeah. I don't think you're going to do it. I mean, whatever. (laughs) We'll see what happens. (laughs) Things. So, yeah. So, no, not me. Okay. Only for me. Got it. Yeah. It's only for me. Okay. So, you you did make a big change. I mean, you're conceivably, if you're going to, heaven forbid, retire someday. You're not even halfway through. Yeah. Like, first of all, I don't, I'm never going to retire. So psh, really interesting. Okay. Yeah. The type of work that I do, as long as there's people involved, I can't see not doing sure. it, but that's just Good for me. you. Now for you, I mean, you could argue that you're almost at the, you're at a significant part of your career. Like you're almost in the middle. If I just do the math and pencil it out, you're making a big shift going from aviation to real estate. Yeah. How did you. I don't think you just woke up one day and said, mm, no more airplanes. No, so, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> was it, how did that happen? Um, a few contributing factors, I think. Um, as I've mentioned, as everybody knows, I've been with SFO for a really long time. Uh, it's a great place to work. Um and besides it being a great place to work, it's it's a government job. So there are a lot of really fantastic benefits that make it, you know, easy to stay stable for a really, really long time. You know, the benefits are fantastic. The pension, there's a pension, there's all things oh. that that in my mind were like, why would I ever leave here? It's great. I love the work. I love the people. The benefits are good. <clears throat> but I, you know, for the past five-ish years, um, I've always had a curiosity about what happens in the offices of the people on the other side of the table from me. Like I, I know that a couple of times at least I said to Jeff Newmeyer, don't you think I should go sit in Turner's office for a few weeks and just see what they do or you know, go sit in the operations office to see what they do so I can better understand why why we have to build a terminal this way instead of that way. So I've always had this curiosity about what else is happening out there. Yeah. And because, um, because of the way that my career growth happened, the challenges that I was uh, that I was facing on projects every day outweighed that curiosity. Right? 
Mm. because because I couldn't even finish my first two ground up buildings before I got thrown into a terminal. It was like, no, I don't need to think about that. I'm doing something new and fresh and challenging here every single day. So, you know, I, I had been thinking for of it for a long time, but it didn't really hit. And when I was on T3 West, which was a huge project, a huge terminal project, which, you know, for me was like, if I'm doing terminals in aviation, that's awesome. That's where I want to be. That's like the top of the line type of project that you want to be doing. It's a huge project. I have a huge team, blah, 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 blah. I've got the position. So that's when I started thinking to myself, well, what's going to happen next? Like, can where are they going to pick me up and throw me next? And is that going to be five years from now? Um, I wanted to make sure that I was like, constantly um, growing, right, rising in my career and, and all of that. And um, that's not to say that SFO wouldn't have found a place for me. I'm sure that they would have, but it was at that point that it was really like, okay, maybe this is a, this is the right time to try something new. And also, you know, because of all my relationships at SFO, I felt really comfortable that if I went off and tried something new and I hated it, that hopefully they would take me back. So there, there's a little bit of confidence and stability left in that too. Um, but so, so when I made the decision, I actually decided to do this in uh, August or September of last year. And my girlfriend and I came down to LA and we had been coming down to LA and we actually, we bought a house that we- Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, that we closed on in December of last year and we moved down here in January, and I've been working for SFO ever since, just remotely, or, or I've been going back and forth. Um, and it almost, you know, at the beginning, we moved in January, and up until COVID started, I was driving back and forth to get mm-hmm. to work at SFO, and I was kind of working one week on, one week off, or whatever. Um, ding, I got myself. Uh, hold on, hold on. Thank you. There it is. Delayed. Thank you. Um, what, was, what was the point of all of this? You're working one week off. Working one week off. off. So I was driving back and forth and, you know, it almost seemed like I could continue in aviation for the foreseeable future, maybe even with SFO, because I felt like I was showing them that it was probably okay for me to work remotely. And then COVID happened and everyone was working remotely. So it didn't really matter. And so I got to stay on for a really long time. Um, I could go work at LAX, which had and has still a lot of massive projects ongoing. And I got a lot of phone calls about opportunities at LAX, which was cool. And I was, I was happy about that. Um, but I got some advice during that time when I was driving back and forth and it was clearly define your goal. Like, where do you, what do you want to be doing? And, and that sounds really simple, but it's really, you, you know, it's not. I mean, oh, I know. many, many six hour drives. And I was like radio off, like, Oh my God, what do I want to do in my life? And the second part of that advice was clearly define your goal and hopefully your professional goal revolves around doing good for others. I mean, that 
that's not really profound, but I think it might be for people in our industry because I don't think a lot of us no, think that way. I think it is really profound. And it can for a lot of people, Tanya, it can just be a job. Yeah. And you're going way beyond. And I didn't that. want that. I I really didn't want that. And um so doing good for other people could be providing for a family. That's fine, right? Could be doing right. something for society. It could be whatever it is for different people. And finally, on one of those drives, it clicked for me. And, you know, my goal is I want to get into real estate. I want to learn as much as I can about it and in it. And I want to position myself to be a part of the solution to affordable housing. And it took, uh, you know, 20 of these drives for me to be like, okay, that's the end game. And no, I'm not just going to go build, go try to build affordable housing. I want to put myself in a high enough position in the real estate industry so that I can make proper change, uh, really impact the way that we do affordable housing in California and maybe the United States. So that's where I'm at. It's great. I feel motivated. Yeah. And you're in a good spot too, where it's not that affordable. It's not affordable. <laughs> and you know, buying a house, it's true. It's more affordable than San Francisco. I'll tell you that. Yeah. We, uh, we grew up in the Midwest, my wife and I, and we, we came to California. We went from like a super spacious house with a detached garage, yard, multiple, you know, front yard, a backyard till I, I think it was like a 600 or a 900 square foot apartment. <laughs> and it was, which was more expensive than what yeah. we had. And, and it's just like, what is it? Oh, the weather is amazing. <laughs> like, I gotta, I gotta pay for the weather that worth I can't it. control. I'm, yeah. Right? Worth it. Totally. You made a massive change. Takes courage. It's very scary. Yeah. You make it look easy. Uh, I'm in the middle of so, it. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got people to help you, of right? Course. You're not by yourself. Of course. You've got support. So I wanted to ask you in particular, because, you know, the leading people is not easy. What is something, it doesn't have to deal with that. But my question to you, Tanya, is, you know, what is something about somebody else listening or watching this? If they're frustrated in their work, you got some amazing advice on a five and a half hour drive. What would you tell somebody who's frustrated in the work that they're doing in the design and construction industry? Well, I think, you know, initially frustration is, you're, there's always going to be frustration in our work, right? It's not uncommon. Um, so don't think that if you're frustrated, it's the end of the world. And that's not my advice. My advice is not, don't, is not brush it off. Don't worry about it. That's not my advice. Um, I thought you were going to say whatever. <laughs> and I, was, I was ready to hit it. You, you got yourself. Got <laughs> yeah, I got me. Um, What's my advice for someone who's frustrated? You, maybe, maybe it goes back to just that, right? Like, what is your, what's your goal? Why are you doing what you're doing? And it can be as simple as, you know, some days I, I'm, I'm in a 6 a.m. meeting and I'm like, what am I doing in a meeting at this time of day? I should be having my coffee or taking a shower or whatever. And, um, 
And I think to myself, why am I here? This is frustrating that I have to, to do these early meetings and then I have to work till 6 p.m. also. And really it's like, why are you doing this? And why am I in a 6 a.m. meeting? Because it's important to the project, because it's important to the success of my team. Because for some reason, you know, my brain power needs to be there, however much it is at 6 a.m. And when you answer that question for yourself, if it if the answer is a good one, then you say, okay, then I'll wake up tomorrow and be here at 6 a.m. again. But if the answer is, I don't really need to be here, I just listen and I don't say anything, then don't stay frustrated. Say, do I really need to be in this meeting? Can I not be in this meeting? Um, and don't go to the meeting, right? Uh, so if it's something as little as that, I mean, I think it's the, isn't this like, isn't this a lean thing? Ask why, 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 why? It is a lean thing. Right? So ask why, why, why? and Get the answers to your questions and get to the bottom of it and make the change that you need. If it's bigger than that, again, then, then reevaluate what your professional goals are and um, determine if you want to take a different path. Right on. And you know what? Let me also yeah. say, hopefully you have leadership around you that can be supportive of you and you can share your frustrations with and, and they can help kind of guide you, you know, in, into a more positive experience of what you're doing. That's really good. Cool. I, I got the good advice at the end just there. You did. <laughs> it came in close. No, Tanya, thank you so much for for giving me more than an hour of your time. My pleasure. I'm going to keep taking it. I'm going to, I'm going to ask, Go I'm going to take one more. Thing it. I'm not done yet. So I wanted to ask you, you know, now that you're, you're moving into a new space, what, what kind of networking have you done to do that? Or have you already started finding experts? Cause I know you, you mentioned sitting at that, that, uh, that it was a cluster group, right? The core team that you were part of people that you can trust have you made those types of inroads in and how did you do that for someone that's changing from one part of our industry to another yeah it's really hard uh, and i'm glad you're asking this question because i think that one of the most important things we can do in our industry especially you know as we are kind of mentoring people or thinking about ways that we can grow in our in our professional worlds one of the important things that we need to do is is networking and you know I talked about it a little bit about giving the time and attention to those day-to-day -day conversations networking is like that I mean you can't just fill up your LinkedIn bucket and think that you have a big network you can't just go to happy hour with people uh, you know every so often and think you have a big network you have to really sometimes coddle and and develop relationships with people that yeah. sometimes you don't really see it in the moment, you know, why you need to be connected to them, but their connection to you and your connection to them will lead to much bigger and greater things at some point in time that you have no, you don't even have any idea about, right? Like, look at me, I'm the star of a podcast today. Hey, That's you. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah look at that you guys we have two engineers in the That's podcast right. talking with each other the power of networks and yes. people <laughs> um that should give uh give hope to all non-engineers out there that <laughs> even inside of every engineer there's a desire to connect right. with other human beings uh -huh. not all not all but some of us <laughs> um but back to your question 
Networking has been incredibly hard, especially with COVID. It's horrible. You know, I know a lot of people in aviation, and that has been very comforting to me in my choice to leave San Francisco because I, I felt that I could fall back on a lot of aviation connections and resources. And I don't know anybody in real estate at all. And, and I don't know a lot of people in LA aside from those aviation connections and, you know, personal friends that I have here. So it's been very hard because in my mind, when I moved down, I was going to be going to lunches and happy hours and dinners and industry events and all kinds of things and, and developing those relationships the same way that you and I did and sitting on panels and doing all of the things that, you know, we sometimes do to, to grow our networks. And I haven't been able to do any of those things. I mean, I haven't been able to even really develop a strong relationship with my neighbors barely because we can only talk from so far away. Right. So it's been hard. What I've been doing is talking to everybody that's willing to talk to me, contacting everybody on my list and, you know, frankly, when a recruiter hits me up on LinkedIn, I talk to them and I find out that I know, you know, three people away from them and somehow that connection gets made and then it, it gives me other connections. And I'm sharing with a lot of people that I'm making a change so that people know to call me and, and want to call me about the change. But I haven't been to a single happy hour and that is really sad. <laughs> That is sad. If I would have known that, I would have, I would have made this a drinks mandatory. Today. Oh well, I'm drinking coffee out of a kids mug, so <laughs> I'm drinking water out of a coffee. Okay, cup. that's fair. No, I think that's really good advice to just talk to people and to grow that network. And it is hard. Yeah, it is hard. Even me, I'm a extrovert with a capital E. You know yeah. that. And uh, it's still hard sometimes to call because I don't want to pester people because I can talk to people all day. Yeah. I used to go to conferences, Tanya, and conference starts at you know 8 a.m. and 4 a.m. the next day. I'm still talking <laughs> to people. <laughs> you know, I remember my wife even said, I'm never going to a conference with you because it's just not right for me. <laughs> because, or, you know, I'll come back from the conference and just talk her ear off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, definitely some industry challenges with getting people to still connect. Yeah. And to find meaningful ways to talk because I found the the number. So we had to put some math to it. I was in a Zoom happy hour, Tanya. And I was the host. And when it got to more than 10 people, it was no longer happy for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was just tile after tile uh. after tile of face. And no one knew like who should talk. <laughs> it, was, it was just too awkward. Uh, so, that's funny. You know, I'd, I'd recommend keep it. Don't go to a happy hour. Where there's going to be more than ten people in a Zoom. Okay, good advice. Or, Thank that you. That could be rough. Thank you. you. Know? I, that that is just one of the many things that I've learned from you today. Yeah, oh, I'll give you one more okay. nugget. Here's for as a homeowner. Uh, never discount the chance conversations you'll have when throwing out your garden. <laughs> when we first became home, homeowners, my wife and I, way back in the day, she was like, all right, you're going to take out the garbage. Like, 
no problem. I'd go, I'd be gone for like an hour. She's like, where have you been when I come back in? I was like, oh, I was talking to Sandy behind, you know, we were talking about, she's like really good into gardening and I've always wanted to think about it. And she's telling me like all these cool things about what we could do. And and I'd be outside for like an hour. I, I think that might be and a you thing. Yeah, it would happen every time. It didn't matter. I almost felt like they were waiting for me to come out there to swim. Oh, that's a good time. But I loved it. The same here. Like we had... uh here where I live, somebody crashed our garbage can at like three in the morning. Oh. And one of my neighbors came and knocked on our door a couple weeks ago. And she said, I'm so sorry to tell you. And so we came out there and it was just, it looked like a garbage can had exploded. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm out there with my, my neighbor across the way. He's, he sees me out there and, you know, we're masked up, socially distant. And we're picking up trash in the, in the street. And my neighbor's like, isn't there somebody to call? I'm like, yeah, you called me. You knocked on my door. Like, our uh, community was in between companies for who's going to manage the community. So I knew there was nobody. So, so you... I was like, you know, what what better thing to do than to keep our neighborhood looking good? <laughs> and I got used to talk to my neighbors. There you go. You, you certainly take advantage of that. So I do. I take advantage of anybody that wants to talk to me. Tanya, when I go into the office, I plan an extra hour to two hours for chance conversations. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. I want to give you the last words, Tanya. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to share? You know, I think if we're, if I go back to kind of where my passion is and why I like being in this industry and why I, I like the work that I do, it's, it really revolves around not just leadership, but, but strategic leadership. And for me, strategic leadership means um, engaging a team, engaging a team to come up with solutions, to strategize about how to deliver a product, and then using that team to actually go deliver it. And the only way to do str- successful strategic leadership is to be, you know, focusing on your people first, right? Like all of the success around projects stems from successful leadership, stems from successful dealing with people. And so I think if I was to leave you know, the construction world with what's really important to me and what could be valuable for them, it's in your day-to-day interactions, be thoughtful about your team and your project and your constituents or your you know, whatever it is and whoever it is that you're leading and think about what is really best for them. Like what, what is the best thing for this person right now? And do that thing. And that is going to lead to the success of your project. And that is going to lead to, you know, being able to be strategic and count on people to trust you and you trust them and give you innovative ideas and, you know, make you a great leader. So, um, yeah, those are, that's my last two cents. That alone does make how we do things. All right. I'll take it. Thank you so much again for your time. It has been my pleasure sharing this time with you and learning from you, Tanya. It has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and, and, uh, leading me through a masterful conversation. You are welcome. (laughs) All right. Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. I can't wait to see what adventures you'll have in the affordable housing arena. Me too.
Me too. Come back on when you feel like uh, you want to share some nuggets in that area. Yeah, well. I absolutely. You're always welcome. Back. Okay, cool. I'll call you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Gonna <laughs> be solved that fast, right? <laughs> Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build.